Well, you know where that's going. Hey, Dan Miller here, leading off there with it's a beautiful day. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are, whatever's going on. You know, we make it a beautiful day around here. Joanne jokes with me sometimes because the uh, skies are cloudy, and I say, that's okay. I carry my sunshine inside me. So we hope you're doing the same. It has been a beautiful day here today in Nashville. But anyway, this is our Tuesday night session, a brainstorming session where we talk to leaders in the 48 Days community about what they're doing, unique areas of expertise that they have. Tonight is no exception. Tonight I have on the line with me uh, Jonathan Milligan. Jonathan, welcome in. Hey, it's great to be here, Dan. Well, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to share with us tonight. This is going to be an exciting topic tonight, one that affects a whole lot of people because we're going to be talking about blogging. You know, a word yeah, I'm excited. We, we wouldn't have had this conversation 10 years ago. Uh, tell us, tell us, I'm going to start right off just at firing questions at you. We've got a whole bunch of questions for you. And, and again, if you're listening and you have a question for Jonathan, anything about blogging, now we're going to carry over into some of the other ways that we create a platform, create a presence and audience as well. But blogging is going to be our primary focus. But if you had a question, just shoot it in there where you're listening online or if you're over there with Jen McDonald over in the 48 Days chat room, you can do it there. I'll see those come in as well. But, Jonathan, tell us, what is blogging? Well, blogging is a vehicle to communicate a message that people want or need. And uh, I have found that it's a powerful way for you to be able to spread out your message over lots and lots of different small blog posts. And I always tell people it's kind of like I have a lake out back of my house, and it would it'd be kind of like putting a 1,000 fishing poles in the lake. Uh, I'd have a much better chance at catching the fish. And that's the power of a blog over just a static website that operates like a brochure. And I think whether you are an individual or a business, blogging and educating people and answering their questions uh, can do that for you. And uh, it's done that for me through blogging. Is this the opportunity to uh, spread my message out there and get that in front of a lot more people? Boy, that's a great visual picture of what it is. You know, I was working with somebody today, and we were talking about her website, and she wondered why she's not getting requests for her coaching. Does she just need to be more patient? And I told her, you know, having a website up, it's like walking through the mall with a business card in your pocket. Yeah, it's there, but just because it's there doesn't do much of anything. You've got to let people know. So blogging is one way to do that. Now, we're going to jump right back into this, but tell us a little bit about who you are, Jonathan, where you live, and what you do, I'm going to ask you about the group that you've got on 48days.net, but just tell us a little bit about you personally. Okay, sure. Well, I live in Jacksonville, Florida uh, with my wife and two kids. I have a daughter who's 12 and a son that's 10, and we love it down here in Florida. It's nice and warm most of the time, and uh, I actually started when I graduated high school or college. When I graduated college, I started as a high school teacher. Uh, both my parents were educators. My dad was always a teacher and a basketball coach. My mom was an elementary teacher for as long as I can remember. And so 
I jumped into teaching. Uh, I loved the kids and I loved the mentoring and the sharing, uh, but I found that it was the wrong context for me personally. Uh, nothing against teachers at all, but I had much more of a free spirit. I had more people I wanted to help and impact. And so I began on this journey of trying to figure out where I, what I was going to be about and what I was going to do. And long story short, I fell into actually executive recruiting, which got me into the employment realm and helping people with job search and resumes and interviewing. And, and that's where I initially came across your work, Dan, was um, through that process of picking up your book. And that's a whole other story. It actually had a lot to do, uh, which I have lots of gratitude for you personally, had lots to do with shaking me up and getting me going in the direction that I needed to go um, and pursue what I felt was my passion. And so uh, kind of a long story short, after doing the executive recruiting thing for about seven years, I started exploring other avenues and came across the idea of blogging. And so my first blog was a career coaching blog where I shared resume tips and interview tips and salary negotiation tips, and then I started slowly figuring out over time ways to earn income with this blog um, until about two years into it, I had about 12 different income buckets for my blog. Um, and then about that time, I started having people ask me, well, how did you do this? And so actually, I just started in 48days.net creating a group called Blogging Your Passion. That was actually a year before I ever launched the blog, Blogging Your Passion. Uh, I started it inside of 48 days and just started sharing tips for people who had a message uh, and how to get it out there to more people. Wow. Boy, you, you just dropped a whole lot of information there we could unpack. <laughs> and th thanks for sharing that. You certainly shared some things that I was not aware of. But at this point, and this is one of the questions that people always want to know, you know, is this something that you're doing full time and you're creating your income from this or you have do you still have a real job? Yeah, this is my full time work. This is my job. This is my livelihood. This is what I do. I have two blogs and I earn income from those blogs um full time. All right. That is so cool. And and a lot of people, you know, just their mouths drop open, I'm sure, when they hear that because they just can't imagine that that actually is a source of income. Now, I'll have to admit, I use my blog simply as another marketing tool, not as an end in and of itself and certainly not an income generator, but leading people to the things where I do actually generate income. Now, mm -hmm. Uh, we're, we're jumping right in here, and I'm sure we'll back up a little bit when we talk about the logistics of a blog, how often, how long, and some of those things I want to ask you about. But you've already whet people's appetite with telling them that you got 12 income buckets out there. Tell us a couple ways that you are creating income from your blogging. Sure. Well, I tell people that there's two primary ways, and one's active and one's passive. Active income is going to be where you're trading time for dollars. And those are some great ways to get started. It's, it's easy to get started that way. Um, for me, with the career coaching blog, I knew that I could improve people's resumes 
And so one of the things I did was offered a resume makeover for about uh, $197, and I would get, you know, a couple orders a week here and there. Uh, but that was, you know, it took me probably an hour or so for each of those resumes, which wasn't bad compared to what, you know, a lot of people make per hour, but I was still, you know, trading time for dollars. Um, uh, offering coaching or mentoring uh, is a great tool, income tool as well, but it's, it's again, it's active uh, as well. Uh, some passive income, their ideas there, of course, are advertising dollars um, on your blog. Uh, another, probably the one that's my favorite that I jumped into is creating your own course that people can, can take. And my first course was called Job Search Mastermind, and it was an 18-week course that I put together. And sure, it took a lot of work to get that put together, but once it was together, uh, for a couple of years, I, en I enjoyed the, well, ever since then, I still do sell it in bits and pieces today, but I was able to enjoy what you call, Dan, the Swiss dollars, which is the sales why I sleep soundly. <laughs> and in the very beginning, it was, you know, I'd go and tell my wife, well, this blogging thing I'm doing is going to make our car payment every month. And then over time, mm. uh, I would say, you know what, this blogging thing is going to pay our mortgage. And then over time, you know, this blogging thing, I think is something I can do full time. And so uh, those are a few of the ways, but my favorite is definitely uh, creating your own courses. You can make earn income as an affiliate, which is, you know, a whole other topic. Uh, but those are a few of the of the primary ways. Boy, that that's great, and that relates to so many things that our listeners are doing, that where they could use the same model, even if blogging is not the primary thing. So if they're doing a newsletter or podcasting or coaching, I mean, all these things kind of wrap themselves together if you want them to. But you identified there with blogging being your primary form of communication, you can make money with advertising, um, mentoring, coaching people to do what you're doing, developing a course as you described. You can develop an ebook, a regular traditional book if you want to, an audio program. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. promote other people with resources so you get affiliate income. I mean, that's just such a great example of uh, what we encourage people to do when they look at what it is they have as a core message. Then it simply becomes how can you share that core message in multiple ways. Now, when you started out, Jonathan, you said that you had a blog that dealt with career transition, so resume tips, interviewing tips, those kind of things. But you transitioned then into blogging about blogging, correct? So your blog today is teaching people about the process of blogging itself. Yes, exactly. That's the second blog that I started in 2011 called bloggingyourpassion.com. And I resisted starting it in the beginning, but, you know, I would get people to email me and ask me, well, how I was doing this and how I was doing that. And, and then especially I saw a need for it in the 48 Days group when I started that group. It seemed to grow pretty quickly. And it seemed like there was a lot of people interested in it. And, you know, I honestly, Dan, I wanted to try to send a different message because when I was first starting blogging, a lot of the information that I found I just felt was too much hype. It was unrealistic. It was um, preying on people's desires to 
try to create this full-time income overnight. And I wanted to send a different message. And so it's it's not always encouraging at first when people hear that I teach a brick-by-brick brick philosophy, which is, you know, one step at a time, the thing you're going to build it over time. It's not going to happen overnight. But once people settle into the long term of understanding that's how it works, it relieves that pressure of thinking that something's going to happen overnight, and, and if it doesn't, what's wrong with me? So uh, that is pri my primary message is you should – you should definitely blog on the things that you care about, and it should help people, and you need to kind of get settled in for the long haul. Okay, well, let me push a little deeper right there, because if you start a blog today, it's going to take some time, as you've already indicated, to build an audience. What are some of the things that you do, in addition to just making good content, what are some of the other ways you connected outside of your own blog in order to start building an audience and a name for yourself? Now, you already mentioned 48days.net, so you've got you know, roughly 15,000 people there where you get some exposure to them. What in addition to that? Well, I always say go to where your audience is already hanging out. Uh, where is that audience hanging out? Is it in a forum? Is your audience hanging out behind some paid course where there's a forum that you can be a part of? Uh, is it uh, at certain blogs that you could be on or do guest posting? Uh, a real popular thing that a lot of people aren't taking advantage of is uh, doing podcast interviews. You know, if you have an expertise in an area, uh, do a search on iTunes and you'll find plenty of of great podcasts that are out there, and a lot of them are interviewing people. And just by getting in touch with them and letting them see what you do or letting them know about what you do, it's uh, it can be an incredible opportunity. I know earlier in the summer I had the opportunity to be interviewed by John Lee Dumas for Entrepreneur on Fire, and I was just blown away with the amount of response from that interview uh, from a podcast. It just just reminded me how many people are out there listening to podcasts um, out there all the time. And so those are a few primary ways, but the main way is to uh, go to where your audience is already hanging out and don't go to just spam them and tell them, come find, you know, come find out what I'm doing. Go there and just add value to them. Add it um, to the point where they become fans of you and they want to know more about what you're up to. Yeah, that you know sounds great. Uh, one one of my personal principles is that when I write a blog, then I go comment on at least three others. I've just used that formula from day one. When I started blogging, and I started, I think it was probably in about 2009. But the first thing I did was to find a coach, find somebody. I found somebody here in Nashville who was already kind of a self-proclaimed expert in that area, and I retained him as a coach for 90 days. But I learned some real basic principles from him that I still use today. One of those is to, if I blog, then I go comment on three others. Now, one of the things that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, even in the 48days.net community, is I see people who blog consistently who never, ever comment on another blog. 
Now, it's easy to track activity in 48days.net. All I have to do is just click on the name, and I can see exactly what they've done in the last 30 days. And that really concerns me. Talk about that a little bit, the importance of connecting to other people rather than just pushing your message one direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you almost are, you know, you've got to – You've got to give and give and give and give, and it feels like you're giving too much, but you've got to get out there and just genuinely help people over and over and over again. And that, and like Dan's talking about, you know, you don't go to a blog, and I know he doesn't do this either, and just, you know, put something like great article, but you go and you read the blog, and you actually make a, add to the conversation, make a good comment, and give, and it's amazing what happens um, when you when you do that, and you just continually give. You get. It's almost like you. Um, it's almost like I heard somebody once say um, something about the more interested interested you become in others, the more interesting you become. And if you can remember that principle of being interested in others more, you become interesting in the process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when you are, you, you, you mentioned just before we started the recording tonight that you just got back from a conference that was not a blogging-focused conference. Tell us about that as an example of how you connect with people who are doing other things and why you participated. Sure. It was a, an event called Podcast Florida, and I knew the uh, person who was um, setting up the event, and I actually met him from a podcast interview. I was interviewed on his podcast. We became friends. I actually have two podcasts myself. I have the Blogging Your Passion podcast and then a second podcast called Simple Life Habits. It's really about a passion of mine dealing with productivity and time management self-development. And so um, for me, it's another way to repurpose my content. So a lot of my content I've been able to repurpose into uh, a lot of my blog posts I've been able to repurpose into podcasts and reach a, a whole different audience. But, um, yeah, I was able to connect with him and uh, through a podcast interview, and then that relationship grew. And then going to that event, I was able to, to meet a few other people and that's just how it works. The opportunity stream begins to widen the more that you just connect with others and get to know them. Yeah. So you're doing the podcast as well. Now, let me ask you this, then. Since you framed so clearly your income generation being primarily from your blogging, do you see the podcast as just a marketing tool for you, or are you looking at monetizing that in the same way? I see my blog as my home base, and I see um, my blog post, my podcast, and anything I do over on YouTube all as hooks in the water of getting my message out there. Uh, it's actually, I teach four foundational, or what I call keystone habits, and one of those habits is the create habit, and for that uh, the definition is use text, audio, or video to get your message out to the masses. And so um, 
I just like to, to repurpose uh, my content because I have people who they love listening. They love podcasts. They don't, they're not really readers of blogs, but they absolutely love podcasts. And so I've taken a lot of my blog posts and not just read them in a dull, boring way, but given them some life, added something new to them, but shared that story or that message from that blog post in a podcast, and it's worked out really well. That's cool. Wow. And so you can start going through the same kind of things, you know, what you can, what, what you have on a podcast. And, of course, I, I do create a little income from my podcast. I resisted that for a long time, but I had so many people approaching me, and I finally decided if it's something that ties in with lifestyle or something that I would use anyway, like audible.com, where I get a lot of audio books, which I'm a big believer in. So I put those things in, hopefully so it doesn't sound like, you know, now we're going to take a commercial break and stop the flow of the conversation, but just talking about things that I found useful, and those do generate income. Uh, you're saying that you see that as kind of a feeder for you, not necessarily a direct, you know, direct contributor to your income. There's just so many ways that people can do this if they just get in the game, get involved, start doing these things, and you start seeing income opportunities pop up everywhere. Now, I'm, I know some of the questions deal with that, and again, we're going to go to questions in a little bit. If you're listening and have a question for Jonathan, just uh, go ahead and shoot it in the little place there in the chat room, or if you're over there with Jen McDonald and 48days.net right now. I can see those come in as well. You can just put it in the discussion links there, and I can see that as well. We'll run as many of those past, Jonathan, as we can. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the details because people talk about, you know, blogging well. Does this have to be, you know, 1,200 words? Does it have to be 300 words? Talk to us a little about some of the logistics. Frequency? Let's let's work first on the length of a blog. What is considered a good blog length, in your opinion? Sure. I like something between 300 and 700 words. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have some that are longer, but they're longer for a reason. But to me, that feels – it feels um, – just enough. And honestly, your blog post should be as long as it needs to be to make the point or answer the question of the blog um, post. And But generally, if I start getting over the 600 words or start getting into the 700 words, I start looking back through it and deciding maybe there's something I need to cut out. Maybe it's not as concise as it needs to be. And so uh, that's as far as length. Now I can go into, you know, just a real brief kind of acronym I use to actually write a blog if you want. Okay, sure. So I like to use the word POST, P-O-S-T, and each of those letters stand for a word that helps kind of guide me through writing a blog post. The, the letter P is for purpose, and for that it is it helps me to have a definite purpose of why I'm writing this blog post because otherwise we ramble, we get distracted, we begin to get off of center, and we lose people. And so that purpose is very key. And I actually spend a lot of time, and I, I know you do too, Dan, because I can tell um, by your, your headlines that I want my headline to be something interesting and catchy because that's what people see when they're on Google 
That's what people see in social media. And you want to have a intriguing, compelling, interesting headline. So for me, that first part is the letter P for purpose. And I get that really the headline becomes the purpose for me in many ways. O stands for outline. I actually like to outline a post. Uh, I like to have subheadings, so I think through what the actual uh, pieces of that are going to be. You know, if I'm teaching something how to do something, well, what are the two or three steps? I go ahead and list those uh, down in my writing software. Um, or if I'm doing something more persuasional, maybe I have a couple of points that I want to hit. Uh, then the letter S is for scannable. I want my content to be easy to scan. Uh, many times if we have really long paragraphs uh, in our blog post, we can lose people. We can lose the emphasis of it. If you think about your own habits, when you, if you do read any blog post, uh, you have a tendency to almost scan it a little bit before you dive in and read it. So scannable is uh, important, short sentences, short paragraphs. Um, and then the letter T stands for a teaser question at the end because, you know, a good blog post is just the beginning of a discussion. And we want to try to get people to, to respond or, or to comment on our blog. So that's, that helps me every time I write a blog post to help kind of frame the process of writing one. All right. That's great. Golly. Um, there's another acronym that somebody turned me on two years ago that I use uh, just in terms of how you create content, and that's the old McDonald E-I-E-I-O. Are you familiar with that, Jonathan? No, I don't think Are so. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> in terms of what you ought to have in a blog, you can entertain, inform, educate, inspire, outrage. Those are the things. If you do one of those, you know, there has to be a purpose to engage the readers. And so I've used that acronym, E-I-E-I-O, for years. Now, do you always have some kind of a call to action, some next step at the end of a blog, or sometimes they just complete in and of themselves where the reader is just left with that? Um, I've been doing something lately that's worked out really well. It's more of a strategy for building my list, which you know, we haven't talked much about that, but um, the email list to me is the very center of everything I do. So every blog post, every podcast, every video, whatever I'm doing really comes down to um, getting people on my email list. I think that's the energy of my business. I don't have a business without one. Um, but what I've been doing lately that's worked really well is um, – at the end of the blog post, have a specific uh, call to action uh, that's related to that article that is some type of bonus content, something that maybe I, I described um, why you should do something, and then I created a short little PDF that's actually the checklist for it, and people opt in to get that. And when I've done things like that, I've gotten a really, really strong result, and so a lot of times my call to action would be to sign up to my email list, or another one I'll do is if I like to hold monthly webinars that are free webinars just for list-building purposes and to teach. Um, and I'll put those at the end of the blog post as well uh, to, to have people opt in to get a part of that. So those are kind of the primary calls to action I'll have 
inside of a blog post. Okay. That, that's a real important issue. In last week's brainstorming session I had on our friend Tom Schwab, who talked a lot about inbound marketing, but it had to do a lot with what you're addressing here, where at the end of every blog post you would have some kind of a bonus item or an ebook or a call to action there because you can have a blog and not know who read it or if they were impacted or if they're interested in anything more unless you somehow get them to take a next step. So that getting a reader to take the next step is really important as you're talking about building a business so that ultimately you have that real robust list of people and you know already what they're interested in. Now, one of the things that people are concerned about right out of the gate is I'm writing blogs and nobody's reading them, meaning nobody's commenting on them. Now, you just addressed that a little bit. You know, you want to have a call to action there, but I always encourage people in the early stages, don't get too discouraged about that because what you're doing is creating content regardless. Create content. Ultimately, people have something to go back to, and it may lead to something else. A lot of what you've described already is repurposing your content. So once you have on a blog, you can then do an audio and create a podcast. You can do an ebook. You can repurpose content again and again and again. People who are doing blogs consistently, I mean, when, when I, I got a contract with Thomas Nelson to do Wisdom Meets Passion as a book, we negotiated that contract late November, and they wanted the manuscript March 1st. That's a very short time frame for a book manuscript, very short, but the reason that was doable for me is because the content was already written, meaning I pulled blogs. 95% of the book is blogs that I had written that I pulled together in a topical sequence that then created the book. So I want to encourage people that even if you aren't getting dramatic response, be confident you're creating content. And if it's good content, you can repurpose it again and again and again over time. Um, yeah, I, to, uh, I was just going to... Uh, sorry, real quick, I was just going to echo that. That's absolutely correct. And uh, and when you, the thing to remember is that when you publish that blog post, it's out there to inspire and entertain and inform and empower and outrage, like Dan just talked about, for many months and years to come. People will find it and Google later. Um, one of my most read blog posts, still to this day, every single month, was something I wrote back in 2010. And it, it was what to do after an interview when you've heard nothing. And I still get comments every week of people thanking me for the sample emails I put in that blog post. And that was something that at the time when I wrote it, and probably for six to nine months after it, I didn't have any comments. But I just kept putting out there the helpful information and just believe that when you put that information out there, you can repurpose it like Dan says, or it's going to stay out there and it's going to help people when they come across it later. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I've got one more question for you, and then I want to switch to our listener questions. But just for my own sake, knowing that blogging has developed so dramatically in the last five years, where do you think it's going to be three years from now? I mean, when you look at all the things that are happening in social media, we've got Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and blogging and podcasting and, you know, 
daily we can see changes that are happening on Facebook, not sure where that's going to go. What do you think the opportunity is going to be for blogging three years out from now? Yeah, you know, that's something that I've thought about, and, you know, I don't know. But the one thing I think I do know is that um, having a home base will never go away. So I personally wouldn't put my stock in, um, well, if there's more conversation in Facebook, I'll just do all my posts on Facebook and focus there because Facebook can change the rules. You know, it's it's like building your, your business on a rented space instead of a place that you own. And so I think as long as um, we have uh, domain names, there's always going to be a home base. And so having a central home base and having an email list is going to be um, foundational to everything that you do. I had a, a mentor early on that he said, Jonathan, in this online business space, there's really only two things you can take with you to the grave, your email list and your reputation. And wow. I try to remember that um, because, you know, your brand really isn't about a cool-looking logo or slogan. It's about what people think of when they think of you. And it goes much more deeper than that. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's about building relationships. It's about, um, you know, as far as a business owner, having an email list that you're building. It's going to help you to be able to change with the times. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who became frustrated when they had thousands and thousands of fans on Facebook, and then Facebook changed the rules and stopped showing it to everybody. But um, still to this day, email is central and key. And in fact, for every social media out there, what do you need to sign up? You need an email address. So email is still very much the, uh, the center of everything. Boy, I agree 100%. Yep. If you are building a list, that's portable. If blogging is gone, podcasting is gone, as long as you have a way to connect with people and have your reputation, as you so clearly stated, you're going to be able to change with the times and keep on going and being successful. I had a business one time years and years ago where we were doing auto accessories, and we went through one of those periods of time where gas went through the roof and people stopped buying cars, and I was doing a lot of work for new car dealerships. And my mom was concerned, you know, what if people stop buying cars? I said, I'll start, you know, putting accessories on horses and buggies because you know there's going to be something in the transportation space. If it changes, I'll just move with the changes. And I think mm -hmm. we need to be prepared to do that. With all these things that are so new, that means also they can change. But if we really understand the basic foundational building blocks, yep, connections and our reputation, we're ready to move. Well, I want to go to questions here. Again, if you got a question and you're listening, just put it in the little chat box there or over on the 48days.net site with uh, Jen. I'll see him come in there as well. Speaking of Tom Schwab, Tom's got a question for you here, Jonathan. Do you see opportunities sharing the blog content in other forms like video, slide shares, infographics, and so on? It seems like it's easier to rank quickly with this repurposed content. Yeah, I think it's really smart to repurpose your content. Um, I'm not in all of those places like you talked about, but I've seen some other people do it and do it really well, and I think that is incredibly smart to, to take 
some of your message and put it out there into a lot of different ways. Um, there's actually a blog post that um, someone I know wrote, uh, one of the owners of a program called CoSchedule. And um, I can give that to Jen. She can put a link with this if you want. But it actually he went into how you can do that and all the different places where you can take one message or one idea and put it into a lot of different um, a lot repurpose it in a lot of different ways like SlideShare and different things like that. Yeah, and that's something that um, would be an appropriate task for a virtual assistant, which we've talked about on here a whole lot, yeah. having somebody that can do that. All right. Well, thanks. Keith asks, Jonathan, thanks for sharing tips on how to blog one's passion. I'm interested in starting a blog about living with diabetes since I've had it for over 20 years. I know that I have ideas to help newly diagnosed diabetics and also those who have had it for a while. My question is, how do I avoid crossing the line so I never can be accused of giving medical advice that is legal only for healthcare professionals to give? Is there a single national standard for that, or does it differ by state in the United States? Yeah, um, that's probably beyond my uh, ability to be able to answer that exactly. So you might need to to have a discussion with more of an attorney on that. But I would say that um, sharing your experience and sharing your answers and sharing um, ways that you've overcome different things, um, I would say maybe putting a disclaimer on there. I've got friends who are in the personal finance niche, and they put disclaimers um, in the sidebar of their blog as a way to let people know, you know, that um, the advice they're giving may not necessarily be um, exactly what uh, their, their results may not be typical or whatever. But I would say um, for me, if, if I was in your shoes and I had that many years of experience to share, I would just really kind of hone in and focus on sharing that. And think about, and you know, a great way to start a blog is to think about the top 10 or 20 questions that people have. And each question becomes its own blog post. And answering people's questions, because think about what people do when they go to Google. They're asking questions. And it's a great way to help get your content to show up. Um, you know, I have blog posts that simply say, how long should a resume be? That's, that was the title of my blog post. Um, and I wrote the blog post to answer that question. And so that's a great way to start a blog. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I would also encourage you to go to any bookstore, walk into a Barnes & Noble, go back in the financial section, open the front cover. You're going to see in the first couple pages a disclaimer that you know, this is not legal advice. This is somebody's opinion. Open up health books, you're going to see the same thing. So like Jonathan's saying, you can have a quick disclaimer there. But you know, believe me, this is in some ways still the wild, wild west on the Internet. There's a whole lot of us who are self-proclaimed experts in these areas. But I think the, the public understands that. I mean, people would be foolish to take one person. I mean, Dave Ramsey is brilliant as he is in the financial area. I mean, he has disclaimers all over the place that says, you know, he's just giving you his opinion for what it's worth. Take that. If it works for you, fine. So I don't think we have to worry about that too much. Don't stop doing what you're doing 
just because you're concerned about stepping over the line and giving your opinion. Just make it clear it is your opinion, it's your experience. I think we lost you, Dan. Can you guys still hear me? Jen is saying, hold on in the chat. Okay. Well, while we're waiting on Dan, I'm just going to, I see some questions coming in in the chat, so I'll answer a couple of these until we get Dan back on here. Uh, it looks like Logan asked a question that says, how many social media outlets do you use to bring people back to your home base? And which are the best ones to use? Uh, Logan, I, um, I do have uh, quite a few social media outlets now, but I don't, wouldn't recommend that people start with um, a bunch to begin with. Uh, if anything, I would say start off by just getting your your brand name and you know either your personal name if that's what you're going to go with or your brand name in all the different social media outlets. But I would then choose the one that makes the most sense for your audience, and that's the one that I would go deep with and really get to know. Uh, it's it's a lot easier to put a lot more energy and effort into one and get some momentum there than it is until um, you know you got yourself spread out in so many different ways. So an example, uh, Logan, is I um, with my career coaching blog. I knew LinkedIn was the best place for me to be, and so I spent a lot more energy and time and effort on LinkedIn especially on some of the groups on LinkedIn that were um, job search-related groups uh, because, again, I was going to where I felt my audience was. Um, so that was helpful for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, it may be different for you. My wife has a blog, and Pinterest is by far the better place for her blog because she writes about do-it-yourself home type projects. And that um, makes it pretty easy for her to do uh, to do that focus in on Pinterest. So if that helps, um, yeah. Uh, Jen, do we have Dan back on? Yes, yes. I'm back on. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I I give up trying to explain how technology works sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, you know, all of a sudden I realized I was talking to myself there. Sorry about that. Um, That's let me all right. get to a question from Nancy here, which is interesting, from Tallahassee. She said, Jonathan, I've started several blog posts. The ideas flow, but getting down to writing with correct grammar and punctuation, agonizing over every word is really slowing me down. Is it more important to get the ideas out or to make it perfect? Yeah, that's a good one. I would say um, write the first time, don't edit, and just get it out. Um, you cannot write and edit at the same time. You'll drive yourself crazy, and you'll miss that flow of getting your thoughts and ideas onto paper or on, into the computer. And so um, write first, 
then go back through and edit, but then just tell yourself that I can go back and fix that word or fix that punctuation or fix that grammar later. Um, writing a blog post is different than publishing a book. And that's just the way that I view it because I don't want anything to stand in my way of, of taking action and hitting the publish button. And now, does that mean we need to be sloppy and we don't care? No. But I would say write first, go through and do your best edit, um, and then publish it. You know, that's interesting to hear you say that because there's uh, hardly a week that goes by that I don't have somebody, um, I think, hoping for a prize in finding some kind of a spelling or punctuation error in something <laughs> that I've written. And that includes books that have been printed by major publishers. It just happened. <laughs> but I, I certainly lean like you do toward getting the message out there rather than obsessing over it being so totally perfect. Now, again, yeah, we don't excuse being sloppy. And if you want to have somebody proofread it, I used to have my wife, Joanne, read my things. I write so much at this point and get it out there so quickly, I don't take the time to have her proof it anymore. So, yeah, I think the message is more important than perfection and how it's delivered. Um, let me go to a question here from Tracy. And Tracy says, Jonathan, do you have a specific tool you use to schedule your blog post? Yeah, so I use, it's an editorial calendar um, that I use to uh, to help me, because I have two blogs, and so this allows me to have it in one place. There's this really cool tool called CoSchedule. It's the letter C-O, then the word schedule, coschedule.com, and it integrates with um, your WordPress, and you can actually log into your WordPress, and, and it, it's there, too. You don't have to use the website. But it allows me to have a, a editorial calendar where I can collect my ideas. I can, I can drag and drop things on the calendar, um, on this calendar, and it will uh, move it around in WordPress. Uh, it'll actually, it has some social media scheduling, too. So after you publish a blog post, you can schedule it to go out on Twitter or Facebook or whatever right inside the calendar as well. So it's a neat tool. It's called CoSchedule. I think it may run $10 a month. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great little tool. Okay. And if, if somebody's using WordPress, that's what I use, and apparently you do too. I mean, you can schedule right within that. I mean, when I sure. I do, I blog Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, so three or four times a week. Never do I write a blog on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. I don't work in that fashion. I work with one single purpose in a long, uninterrupted block a focused time. So Monday morning, I write my blogs for the week. So I write everything that's going to go out that week, and then I just schedule them. Now, that still leaves the opportunity if something happens on Wednesday and I really want to change that, I can just go in and pull that one and put something new in. But 99% of the time, I write my blogs on Monday, and they're just scheduled to release right through WordPress. That, that's one of the tips, incidentally, that my buddy Michael Hyatt so it was probably the most important tip that he got last year 
was me telling him about that because he was agonizing over writing blogs every single day. Now, he's also, another thing we didn't talk about is frequency of blogging. Mm -hmm. If you really want to be taken serious, seriously in this space, how frequently should you be blogging, Jonathan? Yeah, I think it it depends on you. Um, I think in the beginning for me, I was doing way more than I am today. Uh, there was a time where I was doing Monday through Friday, um, so five a week. Um, and then I went to three. And over the last six months, I've been once a week. But it's one blog post and one podcast every week. Um, but there's a particular reason for that, and that's because I'm in the process of writing a book myself, and um, and on top of that, I released uh, two courses, um, one in September and one in October, and then I'm getting ready to relaunch a 2.0 version of my Blogging Your Passion University in January. So strategically, I um, wanted to make room for myself because I'm working on some things. But I think it's okay. Um, I do agree that you have to. The one thing you don't want is you don't want to go, you know, months without publishing a new blog post. Um, if you do that, you might as well make sure your dates on your blog post are taken off. Um, you can have somebody take that off if your theme doesn't do that. Um, but uh, that's that's the thing you don't want is you don't want it to appear like a ghost town when someone shows up on your blog. Yeah, that, that's something that's really kind of evolved. A lot of people have gone in exactly the direction that you've described. Michael Hyatt built a massive, massive audience by blogging every day, Monday through Friday, as you described. Then he started backing that down, went to four days a week, then to three, and then he went to uh, three days a week plus a podcast, and now he's gone to two times a week plus a podcast and hasn't seen any change really in his community involvement. When you think about it, when you think about how we are deluged with messages every day, I mean, there's really only one person, I think, whose blog I read every day, and I'm pretty consistent on that. That's Seth Godin. Now, one of the reasons is because sometimes it's a single sentence. It's very, <laughs> very short. So, but but most people, I'm not interested in seeing something every day. So if you have good content that you've thought through, and get that out there, you know, like you're saying, Jonathan, once once a week, that that's probably adequate at this point. Um, Marty says, how does this compare to LinkedIn Pulse Post for marketing? Frankly, I'm not I'm not familiar with LinkedIn Pulse Post. Yeah, so the way that I understand LinkedIn posts, and I've done a few of them, but um, and it is a strategy that some people are using. Uh, it is a form of blogging, but you're blogging on the LinkedIn platform. And so, again, I prefer to have it on my home base. Um, I know some people who are taking their blog posts word for word and then going over to LinkedIn posts and putting it there word for there at LinkedIn word for word. I wouldn't personally recommend doing that um, because there's an opportunity for you to have duplicate content type penalties with Google. Um, so if you're going to put it in two different places, you want to rewrite it or mix it up a little bit. Um, so I would say if you're going to do that, I have a friend, one strategy that you could think about is I have a friend who 
has a newsletter that goes out every Monday. It's called the Monday Mojo. And he has been writing that for months and months and months. And he's got a lot of content that has only been via email. And so now what he's doing is once a week he's taking that email content and he's putting it over on LinkedIn. And he's seeing some good results with it. He's getting people to comment and find out more about him and go over to his blog. Um, so I think you know doing something like that is a smart thing to do. But generally, I would rather be, again, building um, a home base as opposed to a rental property. Mm, yeah. Jonathan, tell people what you have available. I've got a couple other questions I want to get to here, and we're about to wrap things up. But I want them to know how to access your information. What's the best way to see your blog, but then also to see the kind of tools that you have available to help people in this space? Okay, sure. Thanks. Uh, my main blog, the one I originally started, is my name, jonathanmilligan.com. And over there, I've got all my career articles. I talk a lot about productivity and time management. Um, and I've got a few courses over there that I sell. Uh, some are related to careers. Um, one is related to Evernote. Uh, I wrote or actually created a course about uh, it's for authors, writers, and speakers on the best way to use Evernote if you're more of a creative professional. Um, and then I have a mastermind course on how to launch a mastermind group. So I've been a part of one now for almost two years, and it's been phenomenal for me professionally and personally. So a lot of that's over on jonathanmilligan.com. And then bloggingyourpassion.com, uh, the main course is my Blogging Your Passion University, and we have three levels. There's a 101, 201, and 301 level. And the 101 level is for somebody just starting out that's trying to figure out how to get started blogging. The 201 is for those who have a blog, but they are trying to build traffic to their blog. And the 301 course is for those who want to take this uh, passion, this hobby that they have on the side and turn it into a business. And so blogging your passion universities over there. And then throughout the year, I, uh, I just, it's not open currently, but I did a Kindle Your Passion course which is teaching people how to write and publish a Kindle book in 30 days. And then in the spring, I do a course called Teach Your Passion, which is how you can design your own online course. And uh, I kind of share a six-step blueprint that I've used to now create over 12 different online courses. Um, so that happens in the spring. So that's what I'm about. Okay, Guy, lots of content. And you, like all the group leaders in 48days.net, are so generous with the uh, content you provide in your group, and that is blogging your passion. People can join that group. The next person to join would be number 600, I see. So oh, <laughs> whoever, nice. whoever wants that honor, a good-sized group, and you give generously there uh, lots of content. And, and like I mentioned, when I started blogging, the first thing I did was look for a – I think we lost Dan again. <laughs> um, so 
So, Jim, I think we may have lost Dan again. It looks like maybe you could give him a call. And I'll just wait for him to come back. And I'm just going to see if there's any other questions kind of we got coming in here. I saw somebody asking about the uh, writing software. I think that was a different question than the editorial software. Um, yeah, what write, writing software do you use? Is it a general word processor or something else from Eva? And I, I do use Scrivener, um, but I primarily use Scrivener for uh, the Kindle books I write or if I'm um, writing a book. That's what I use Scrivener for. Um, I primarily use that co-schedule and then use um, WordPress to actually to write in. So uh, that's what I use as far as a writing software. I would say um, if you do use Microsoft Word, many people will write in Microsoft Word and then go over and put it directly, you know, copy and paste it directly into WordPress. But by doing that, you can actually mess with a lot of the formatting and it can create a lot of weird code um, that you don't want in your blog post. So if you're going to do that, you want to um, you want to probably copy that and put it into more of a text file um, before you put it over into uh, WordPress. So, Dan, are you back? All right, gentlemen. Yes, I'm back. I, there must be a mouse in the building or something. I, I have no <laughs> idea why. I got, I got I just got bumped off again. All of a sudden, I'm off. Right, let me squeeze in one last question here, and then we'll we'll circle around and end this session tonight. Uh, Betty says, if you want to start a self-help blog but don't have a lot of original content, how acceptable is it to use inspiring, informative quotes and snippets from books? I'm an avid reader and have tons of quotes accumulated over the years. I even have a quotes database. So how far can we go in using other people's content in creating a blog? Yeah, well... First of all, I think you know the most successful bloggers are the the readers and the learners. Uh, they're the teachers at heart. They're resourceful, and so even though you're learning something, you've got a unique perspective, and you've got your own. You bring your own giftedness to that. Um, you're going to interpret it different. That's why they take a person who sits in a crowd of a thousand people, and if you interview them. What does the speaker say? Everyone comes away with a different perspective. Um, so I would say don't be afraid to share that. As far as directly sharing other people's content, I would say um, you don't want to go more than 150 words of their content um, because past that I think you start borderlining on um, getting you know more plagiarism involved, and we don't want to go and for example, go to a blog and take their entire content and publish it just because we think it's good. Um, that is probably not the best way to go. So I'd say, you know, quotes or a paragraph from what someone said, adding your own commentary and perspective to it, I think that's um, perfectly fine. So be resourceful. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, you can you can use a lot of content giving credit that my books are full of quotations from wonderful people who are smarter than I. I like the association. You can do that. But be careful about making content appear to be your own. 
uh, about a year ago, we had somebody in the 48days.net community who took a blog and pretty much in its entirety put it over as a blog, giving full credit exactly where it came from and who wrote it. The person complained to Ning, who is the host of our site. They shut our entire site down. Shut it down. No, no question about it. They shut our site down because they thought that was over the line. Again, full credit was given, but uh, you got to be careful in today's environment. Same thing. Of course, we, we haven't even had time to talk about putting pictures in your blog. That's another issue where you have to be extremely careful today about not. And I, I can attest also to what happens there when uh, somebody thinks you've stepped over the line. I can show you a copy of my um, letters that I've gotten from attorneys. So it's a, it's a pretty dicey world out there. We want to be careful and certainly do things with discretion and integrity. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. Do you have any last words here for our audience before we wrap it up? Um, my last words would be you have a message, and your message is needed in the world. And don't let what happens between your own two ears stop you. And I would say look at any – if there's any blogger or um, author, um, podcaster that you admire, please understand that for a while they blogged in obscurity. No one knew about them. No one was commenting. No one was tweeting about them. Uh, there was a period of time where – every successful person you see shared and wrote and gave in just about complete um, obscurity. So <laughs> just move forward and give and share your passion. And that's why I encourage people to share that passion because that's a deep well you can draw from when you're in the pre-profit days of this whole journey. And once you kind of embrace that and, you know, you deeply believe in the uh, the value of the long term over the short term, um, you're going to do much better. Yeah, hey, great advice. Just uh, don't be concerned about sharing. If you got a message to share, get out there, get in the game. It can take a little time, but you can build your platform, build your business, just as Jonathan has shared. So, again, thanks for being with us tonight, all of you. Thanks for being on this Tuesday night brainstorming session. We've got a great archive of past uh, interviews that you can go back and review for any topic you can imagine. So thanks for being with us tonight, and that will wrap up our Tuesday night brainstorming session. The moderator has left the conference.
The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.